Pod for Good is sponsored by Tallgrass Estate Planning. If you're like me, you might hear estate planning and go, eh. You might think to yourself, I'm not sure why I'd bother with that. Estate planning is only for the uber rich. Well, that's not what Tallgrass thinks. Tallgrass founding attorneys, Laurel and Riley, think everyone should have an estate plan. They know estate planning seems untouchable to a lot of folks, like something you have to do inside a stuffy law firm where it feels like everyone is looking down on you, questioning your life decisions and judging your financial situation. But I promise you, Tallgrass is nothing like that. For one, they work out of their home so their clients can feel at home. They obsess over making clients feel like they belong and are supposed to be there. They will take time to answer all of your questions, even those uncomfortable ones involving ex-spouses. They will work relentlessly to make sure your plan is exactly what you need to feel secure, at peace, and prepared for whatever the future has planned. So if you've been putting off planning for what's going to happen when you're no longer around to make anything happen, it's time for you to give Tallgrass a call at 918-770-8940 and start your plan today. Or visit their website at tallgrassestateplanning.com. Schedule a free initial consultation. It's easy. It's free. It's right there on their website. And of course, there's more because this is a podcast ad. If you tell them you're a pod for good listener, they're going to take 25% off their service fees. Stop thinking estate planning isn't for you and give Tallgrass a call today. Again, that number is 918-770-8940 or visit them on their website, but I'm not going to spell it out for you. Tallgrassestateplanning.com. Thank you again, Tallgrass Estate Planning, for being a pod for good sponsor. Welcome to another episode of Pod for Good, a podcast where we learn from those doing good in Tulsa, why they care, what we can do, and most importantly, what you can do. Pod for Good is produced and edited by Random Productions, and I must mention this because I've spoken to multiple people over the past two weeks who also don't know. I also edit podcasts. Random Productions is my company. I just want to make that clear. Anyway, this <laughs> podcast and all Random Production podcasts can be found anywhere you get your podcasts. I am your chief philanthropod and podcast editor, Jesse Ulrich. And I am your vice admiral philanthropod. And uh, what do you call somebody who makes it difficult for somebody to edit? Uh, Chris. Ah, Chris Miller. And today our guest is Marcella Swenson, executive director of Telsa Responds. We talked to Marcella about building a plane while flying it during a pandemic the amazing projects of Tulsa Responds, and uh, enjoy the extrovert-fueled chaos of our first in-person podcast in months. Enjoy, everybody. We are very excited to have Marcella Swenson from Tulsa Responds on the podcast today. Responds or response? I'm pretty sure it's response. Respondes. Responds. Okay. Yes, responds. See, if you put a Z at the end, people yes. would know. Mm. Just responds. All right, hold on. I'm going to have to go change the URL right. to yeah. responds. Because then we feel like fun and yeah. young. Yeah, and hip. hip. Yeah. Young. Yeah. Right. Young and hip if, if, if it was the late 90s. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's like the, yeah. That was, anyway, we're recording in person, so this episode is going to be a lot more hectic. And chaotic, chaotic, yeah. We're, also, our, we're just feeling kind of punch drunk that we're yeah. in front of yes. people we yeah. haven't seen, like mm-hmm. outside our circle of five people. We're yeah. back in Rant Nine's nerd uh, recording studio, which yeah. means we get to bring back our favorite question. Mm-hmm. So, Marcella, the, this episode will come out near the end of April, but April is sort of the the birthday month of Tulsa Responds. Can you give us, like, at the time the idea first was first brought up? 
till the the day we those first trainings. Like, tell us about what it what it originally was supposed to be, right? What was phase one of Tulsa Response? So Tulsa Response was supposed to be an eight week task force, just eight weeks. Um, it was to help small businesses apply for uh, SBA funding through the federal government and also through TEDC. So it was going to be eight weeks. We tell you how to apply for the loans, what you qualify for, answer any questions. And then in eight weeks, you can apply for forgiveness. And that was kind of going to be the end of it. Uh, I don't think that they still know what the forgiveness process is. So we (laughs) we would have kept going of that. That eight weeks never came to fruition. But within those eight weeks, then they started finding other applications for Tulsa Response. And Tulsa Response, what we are is a contract worker navigation service, basically. I can probably think of a more succinct and exciting way to describe that. But we... Do you want me to do the whole origin story? Yeah, I want to hear okay. the origin story because I think for our listeners, I've been a Tulsa response uh, response uh, navigator from the beginning, and it cool was title. Yeah, he was he was one of the very first, and it was so magically chaotic there for the first couple of weeks when we were when the laws about what the loans were and how they operated were changing hourly, where so we would get trained and then have to get retrained like the next morning, <laughs> and and I was just. A navigator. So I, I I didn't even think about what was happening behind the scenes until like two months later. And so I'm just very curious about what it was like from from your end, because you were employed at Attentive Capital at the time. And this was supposed to be just a project of yours mm-hmm. for those eight weeks, I guess. Yeah. So I'm just curious, like, yeah, let, let, let's talk about the, the pre phase one. So about a week prior to the creation of Tulsa Responds, Mike Bosch of Attento Capital said, Hey, so we're probably going to put together like a, a workforce of contractors to help give advice on and, and guidance on how to apply for SBA loans. Just like putting that on your radar. Cool, cool, cool. So then fast forward a week, had a meeting with Suzanne Schreiber at GKFF and Mike and a few other folks at GKFF and kind of laid out the vision for what it was going to be. So my marching orders were to get around 12 navigators we were going to try to study up on what the SBA loan guidance was, and then we were going to create a website, promote it, and try to get as many local businesses in Tulsa to contact us so that they knew how to apply for the SBA loans. And the goal was, we want to apply. We want as many Tulsa businesses to apply for this funding as possible before that money runs out, because we want to bring as many federal dollars from DC to Tulsa. And so that was the that was the main thrust of Tulsa Response. That so April first was when we had our first phone call. The next day we had a meeting with Gitwit at eight in the morning and said, "Here's what we're doing, and can you create a website by noon for May so that Mayor GT Bynum can announce this program during his press conference at noon?" And they're like, "Uh, yeah, sure, let's go," because they are magical wizards, and in the in, in the meantime, I'm reaching out to every person that I've ever met, and I've only lived in Tulsa at this point for three months, maybe a little less than three months. <laughs> so Jesse got a call, and <laughs> you know, every every person I knew and every person that they knew and pretty much every child of a GKFF employee heard about this. <laughs> and so it was a lot of students who had to come back from college because their classes were canceled, people who were hourly workers like wait staff 
whose hours have been cut because we can't go to restaurants anymore. And that was the majority of our workforce. And I think we had around 30 people when we started. I think we had a training session. I, I actually still have this recorded on my computer. And when I am feeling emotionally ready, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> and I also say, oh, look at how different and lighter you look like. I have I have 10 years worth of stress just packed into my face now. So that's what what I need to to prepare myself to watch. Uh, so we we had a meeting and then we're like, "Hey guys, this is going to be really fast and furious." Uh, RIP to Paul Walker. Sorry. How did how did it work that in? No, I understand. Uh, it still hurts me. So family. Uh, I don't have friends. I got family. 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 Your family. Hello. Started small to a real Cause we're brothers first. Thank you. <clears throat> I truly am still sad about Paul Walker <laughs> Okay. So we had a few meetings and said this is gonna the the guidance on these loans is going to change very quickly. We just all have to be flexible. And that's, I think, when the phrase building the plane while flying it came <laughs> into our organization. And that is still something we use today over a year later, much to my chagrin. So we did a few training sessions. We were getting all of this guidance from this law firm about what what the loans were, what you needed to qualify for. And then we get an update like five hours later, like, just kidding. Here's what you actually <laughs> need to do. And here's how you can actually qualify, et cetera. So that was kind of the the MO for the next few days. And I literally was just glued to my phone or my computer for the next two weeks, like taking bathroom breaks and food, like eating and sleeping. That was a luxury <laughs> that I sometimes allowed myself to take. And so so that went really well. We had over 700 businesses contact us by that Sunday. I think we had our first, our our navigators first started making phone calls that Saturday. So it was like, we see all of these notifications coming in, like, you have this many people who want your help. And we're like, oh my gosh, we don't have any, like, we don't know what we're doing still, but it will come. This will happen. So that was the first, like, three or four days. And then... 700 businesses had contacted us. I think by the end, we had about 1,500 businesses over maybe a month that, that reached out. And our, con our, our navigators just did an amazing job of being super flexible, rolling with the punches, trying to be as helpful as they possibly could be, knowing that they didn't necessarily have all the answers. But I think one thing that was really comforting for the businesses on the other side of the email or phone is that they had someone to listen to them and that they could ask questions and that could at least sympathize with what they were going through. And we, I mean, if you can remember back to over a year ago when we thought this was going to be like a two week shutdown, <laughs> yeah. it was so much longer than that. So, but the thing that I kept thinking about is the small businesses, the people who had poured everything into their, their small business, knowing that, that was their nest egg. That was their passion. And that it just was wiped out in a matter of days or weeks. And my husband started a, a restaurant in Chicago where we were living before we moved to Tulsa. And I just was thinking, 
like if his restaurant was wiped out in kind of the the blink of an eye, how awful that would feel. So I think that that really kept us going. That kept me going and foregoing all of the the essentials like food, sleep, bio breaks. So then as we kept going on, Mike and Suzanne were like, hey, we think we could use Tulsa Response for something else and something else. And the the common thread was what were we doing in Tulsa before the pandemic that is either in more demand because of the pandemic or is it needs to be done in a way that it can't be because of the pandemic. So one of those projects was uh, Yes on 802. Normally, volunteers would be canvassing to to get out the vote and make sure that people were voting yes or no on the ballot question that would expand Medicaid to Oklahoma. And because we couldn't do that because of the pandemic, enter Tulsa Response. And so we set up kind of a mini call center and had people calling all day long for, I think, like two weeks. And in the end, the that ballot question passed by less than, I think it was 7,000 votes, which was less than a percentage point, which is wild. And so <laughs> not saying that that was directly in, in uh, you can't directly attribute that to Tulsa Response, but I think if any one effort that was being made to pass Yes on 802, if they hadn't been doing that thing, mm-hmm. I don't think it would have passed. So that felt really great to get to get that win so early on in our organization's existence. And then some other things were we worked on the census, learned very quickly that random people calling you to tell you to fill out the census, is, the, the people who answer are the people who've already filled out the census. We then we started working on an internet project to help families that don't have internet in their home get a f- one year of oh, internet. I've, I've got I've got more detailed oh, questions right. about this later. Oh, should uh, we? Should I mean that? So that's kind of the origin. Yeah. I can mm-hmm. stop there. Now you know, <laughs> and now we're a year into it, and we've worked on like seven or eight projects. It seems like it's now a sort of staff for hire for specific projects where if you need a team of 20 people to interact with either businesses or groups of people or to do something like someone can just, for example, like the Tulsa Remote interviews, right? Tulsa Remote sort of opened their doors during this pandemic and were, I would say, covered, slammed with applications. And Mm -hmm. they obviously with the GKFF connection, like got connected to you. And I started doing those because again, I was an extrovert trapped in my house and <laughs> I was getting paid to meet new people. It was great. You know, it, it We're really kind of mercenaries yeah, uh, for good. Yeah. Mercenaries <laughs> for, for good. good. Yes. Yeah. I want that on the shirt. Yes. Mercenaries for, for good. good. Yeah. I like that. I want to transition to talk about the internet program a lot because that one was the first time I feel like Tulsa Responds was partnering with more than just like organizations. That was like a large for-profit company, the the city, and was dealing with a Cox was Cox, which was the internet service we, we were working with here. Also had deals in sort of other states and cities that we were dealing with, and I also got COVID during this time, so my memory <laughs> oh, of parts of this are mm-hmm. a little little foggy. But it seems to be working now, right? Ish. Yeah, and so. If- Eight, eight of those 10 years of stress <laughs> that I now inhabit on my face, that came from this project, and it still continues to be stressful. But one of the – so this was the first time that we kind of the, – the previous projects we worked on, we were fit into an existing organization. So our first project 
was TEDC had already been doing loans for small businesses. Now we are the conduit to help them do more. Uh, for Yes on 802, you're, you're not developing a new program on how to get people to vote. You're just calling people on the phone. But we call this project Tulsa Connects, which is a partnership between the three school districts in Tulsa, Cox, and the city of Tulsa, and Tulsa Responds, to to help the families who don't have internet in their home get one year of free internet if they're they have to meet certain requirements. And because that's something that never existed before, we actually had to create the outreach method and and things were so like we were blazing a trail. And so you learn so much from this of where Tulsa response can be the most effective and where we should say like, you know what? This is not the best use of your money and our time. And so it has been very valuable in in learning a lesson. But what the, the hardest thing is that you're taking three really big entities. So the city of Tulsa, then you're taking a for-profit business, Cox, and then you're taking three school districts. So I guess you can call it five entities. And you're trying to get them all to do something together in concert. <laughs> And your key customer is, your only customer, are people who don't have the internet and you can't see them in person. So how are you going to get them to, to take your service? And so learned a lot, still learning a lot, but um, I think timing had a lot to do with it and, and things just t- took forever, the negotiation period of like, how do we, like, getting everyone to say yes to this program just it takes a long time because everyone has different interests that they that they need to have met which makes complete sense but i wish that we'd started back Mm in may i remember there was just a lot of time waiting for the city and cox to finalize their deal and Mm -hmm. we're just sort of sitting there and i just remember the the most frustrating part was trying to make that flow chart of like the steps from from someone coming into our system and then all the steps where yes or no, they would go this way or that way. And because we still had, didn't have the finalized contract, it's kind of hard to set a path where you don't know where the path ends. So <laughs> I'd worked in call centers mm-hmm. before. So I was like, I was trying to summarize like, yeah, this might happen, but it's going to happen mm-hmm. so rarely. Let, like, let's not worry about that. Like trying to make a simplified mm-hmm. flow chart. And you were trying to make a very like robust, oh, I want to make sure everything's on here flowchart. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, we don't even know if these things exist yet. It was nuts. <laughs> and, it was crazy. And that detailed flowchart just scratched the surface of what would now, if I were to make a flowchart now, of, of what that would look like. And it's, I basically gave up on the flowchart because it, every time we, something was updated, then it was just like, well, now all of this is worthless. We still see new things popping up and there were things that were told that this is how it'll work and then when we when the rubber met the road it's like actually (laughs) it looks nothing like this at all and it didn't we didn't even get to start until october and when a lot of people had already started Mm -hmm. to get they some people just bit the bullet and and started subscribing to the internet and then to the internet (laughs) uh to to cox or whatever yes yeah and and so then they were no longer eligible so how did you contact people who don't have the, because I know it's a problem with that a lot of nonprofits we've talked to trying to get people to use their service, use government mm-hmm. services, get signed up for the vaccines. Like, so how did you contact people who 
So I'm still trying to crack that nut okay. of like how to effectively get to not just contact people, to, but get them to trust you that, that you're offering a service that they want and that mm-hmm. they should respond to. So phone is the best text message also, and then person to person contact. And so now that we're starting to open up a little bit and people are able to get vaccinations, we're working on doing in-person signups. I'll let you know how those go. <laughs> yeah. But the answer is there is no silver bullet. Yeah. I was hoping that text messages would be that silver bullet. We sent 12,000 text messages to, to TPS families and we had 400 actually respond to us. So that, and that's the, that's been the Mm -hmm. best market. Like that, that's been the best tool that we've had. And that's, that's a percent of a percent. Mm -hmm. So there, the, the answer is no, Yeah, we did not. (laughs) We, there, there just isn't a way that is, I, I think that there's a, there's a technological divide that goes pretty deep. And one thing that I learned recently that I, that explained a lot is that one of the school districts said that they gave families hotspots and devices and Mm -hmm. that even still some of those families didn't use them. And so if a family is not going to do that, then they're definitely not going to see a text message or some flyer or whatever. And then call us up or send us an email if they Mm -hmm. have some access to the internet to to get a subscription to right. the internet. So that that explains why we had a lot less uptake than we mm-hmm. had been anticipating. Well, and I can imagine the, I mean, I get, I think, it, probably a good five scam text messages mm-hmm. a week, and I don't even know how many scam phone calls. And I imagine that doesn't help as well, that people don't don't know whether to trust the text messages yeah. they get. I think that's that's exactly right. That mistrust is a, mm-hmm. is a big part. It's also possible that their text messages go to some un, like unknown number folder yeah. if they have an iPhone or they see it and they ignore it. I think that the trust is a huge part, and that's one of the things that we want to make inroads over time. But that there's no fast forwarding yeah. the trust component, but over time, I think that will be our best method to mm-hmm. getting getting families connected with services like these in the future. But there, there is something deeper going on that it's either that the families don't have the time, like they're, they're like, my kid doesn't even like doing the, the Zoom classroom, so I'm not going to spend any of my time trying to, to force this to happen. I, I, I think that it's just a, the pandemic revealed so many societal issues that mm-hmm. we have so many yeah. deficits and gaps i'm saying all the same words just different <laughs> different versions of them but there there's a deeper thing there's there's a there's a deeper underlying issue and i don't know what that is yeah. if you've seen the wire it's not just one thing it's like five things all at the same time that that make people like keep keep people in a situation and so hopefully we can address more of them as time yeah. goes on i don't think i ever told you this chris but one of the, the things i remember happening was so the city wanted to pay for people who either had or would qualify for a federal program a federal like poverty-esque type program mm-hmm. i remember one of the sticking points with cox was that cox wanted the families to be enrolled in that program 
to be qualified. And I, I that was one time I'm like, oh yeah, like there are people who qualify who yeah. are not part of it for a multitude mm-hmm. of different reasons. And those people are even more lost or even more yeah. hard to reach because they don't don't want to be in the system mm-hmm. because maybe they don't trust the system, right? And or they was, don't know they qualify. Or, yeah, they don't know they qualify. One or, of our previous guests talked about that with specifically with with healthcare, right? Either mm-hmm. they don't know they qualify or they qualify and they think it's bad to take stuff from the government mm-hmm. or they don't trust the government. And so, yeah, it's limiting. And that assumes that they even know how to apply, which yes. if they don't have internet and that's yeah. the main way that you apply for these services and you want them to have the service to be able to get internet, you... It's you know. a chicken or the egg right. situation. And you you highlight a really important part of that. Oh gosh, there's so many things. That, and we, we are in a, a place where mistrust in the government is kind of like super popular right now. Yeah. And we're in a state where that's like exclamation point mm-hmm. trying to, and then there are societal and cultural barriers. Sometimes mm-hmm. it is looked down upon in your culture to mm-hmm. take something for free. Yeah. And so we have to fight that or that the government has been awful to your community in the past. And so why would I want to give my information like really sensitive information to the government? And so we're, we're fighting all of that. That's something Tulsa responds as we move out of reactionary mode, as I hope we come out of this pandemic. Dear Lord, please let us come out of this pandemic. And we move into a proactive mode. We want to start being the conduit that someone knows, oh, I know Tulsa responds. Tulsa responds helped me get my internet last year. So when they call me about enrolling in Medicaid, I'm going to answer the phone or I'm going to answer this email and I'm going to know that they are just trying to help me. And so that that's where we're hoping to be is I've, I've likened it to kind of an old timey operator where we're like, Oh, you're calling about this thing. Like, let me plug you into this hole mm-hmm. or this hole. That's, that's where we want to go. So we've talked a lot about the internet project, which has been a little tough at times. What's, Understatement of the year. What's been your most rewarding project that you've taken on? I know you mentioned 802, so that may be the answer. Mm-hmm. But if there's another one that's been very rewarding for you. Oh, gosh, that is that is a that's like asking me which of my children. Uh, which everyone and, secretly has an answer yeah, for. They're yeah. just not allowed the, to yeah. say The internet project is definitely her least favorite child. Yeah. <laughs> for oh. instance, uh, uh, Jesse's sister is the favorite child in his family. How dare you? I'm obviously the favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, as as the less favorite child, I I take umbrage with what you say about connects. No, uh, the the internet project, I want it so badly. Yeah. I want it so badly to work, and we are we're just keep we're just keeping at it. We continue to throw spaghetti at the wall, so maybe we can do an update someday when I crack that nut. So the one that we're the one that we're working on right now called Get Your Refund Tulsa. It's a partnership with. Goodwill Vita, that's volunteer income tax assistance. That one has been really great because we are, we can help get someone money like that day. Not, it's not in their pocket that day, but we've completed all the steps and the next thing that's going to happen is they're going to get a debit card in the mail and it's going to have $1,800 on it. Uh, so this last week we did an event at the Wyndham where there are 250 residents who were previously experiencing homelessness. And so we got to help about 40 of them this last week 
file their taxes so they can get their stimulus check. So after an hour of work, they know that they have an $1,800 paycheck coming to them. And that is like, they're happy and we're happy because we're immediately seeing the positive impact that we're having on, on their day-to-day life. So that's been one of the best projects to work on. You also had one where you're helping people register to vote too, right? Yeah. It was a very short project, but I remember, I remember it being fun. Yeah. That, so that one, I don't know how many people ended up registering. I, I think I would, I would have counted that as one of my favorites if the results had just felt stronger, (laughs) but something that I'm realizing is, is it's really hard to get people to register to vote in Oklahoma because you cannot do it the day of. <laughs> you cannot do it for the previous oh, is it 25 days before an election, which is absurd. It yep. is absurd. And when you have the mayoral election in August and then the presidential in November, that cuts out a huge chunk of time that yep. you would be registering people. Mm-hmm. And and it has to be, you have to actually send in the physical mm-hmm. registration. It cannot be online. And so... Take that, Georgia. We already have restrictive yeah. voting yeah. laws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coke, don't come here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so, are there any? You know, as we're opening up for at least the next six months, while we're all vaccinated, because apparently that's how long the vaccine lasts. So, prepare to get maybe shots longer. Again. We don't know yet. Yeah, we, we don't know. What are some like opening up ideas that have been bounced around or projects that, since we can, in limited numbers, see people in person that. You like even either you've been approached to help with or that you would like to help with. So one that we're we're starting these now is kind of a tandem event where we I, I think the future of a lot of what Tulsa Response does is working with families that have children because most of them will be going to a school and so that's a, a nice little hub of you know where a, a high concentration of families that can use these services. So we're doing, well, I guess I should not reference specific dates because this will, these things will have already happened by the time you're listening to this, dear listener. (laughs) But we will have done very successful events at Hawthorne Elementary where you can either, you can both get your taxes filed and sign up for free internet in one. And so I'd like to be doing more of those where when we have additional projects that we I, I would love it if we could have like a little mobile trailer or something like a Tulsa response mobile where we mm. just park in front of the school and have people come out and, and sign up for all of the things that they're eligible for. I hope if you do that, you have an air horn so that every time someone's successful, because I feel like that that would get more and more people. Cause it'd yes. be like, that's an awesome air horn. I got to yeah. walk over there and see what's going on. Yeah. Yes. In fact, Jesse, I think we might need a contract here. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. I can tell you this. Don't buy an air horn on Amazon. It's a boat horn. It's the wrong sound. I have two of them now. It's the one thing you can't return to Amazon. So it's just a, ooh, it's that noise. Not as fun. So. I, actually, Jesse, I'm surprised you didn't go off on a rant when we were talking about internet because you often like to rant about how internet should be a utility. Alyssa, I've, it she, should be. She already knows, <laughs> as does all of GKFF now, of yeah. my feelings about the internet. It seems like the obvious solution is just to, to blanket the town in a strong Wi-Fi signal so people don't have to sign up for expensive yes, internet that would to be, the good be idea. able to connect um, to essential the, services. Yeah. Uh, listen, 
I'm with you. Like we can happily rant about it. But <laughs> at this point now, I, now I'm angrier at the just sort of America's internet speed standard that we're at. Cause we are way behind even for internet we're paying for. We're not even getting the speeds that, you know, a small Eastern European country is getting. So it, it absolutely should be a utility because everything you do is online. Mm-hmm. At, literally every, in order to get any service the best way mm-hmm. and the, the, in a pandemic, the only way is yeah. to do it online. Yeah. School work. Mm-hmm. I mean, school work for most people, shopping, so many things that were already being done, but we're getting kind of hand waved away as, oh, it's not essential. You can do them in person. Mm-hmm. Well, for the period of close to a year, that was the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. If we can't have private health care, though, do you think the Internet providers are going to be like, Yes, we will just let you take our cash cow and make yeah. it a public utility. Listen, mm-hmm. I'm glad you said it because, like, I was gonna say it, but I didn't want to get you <laughs> in trouble. So, I mean, uh, it, we we value we value corporations in our country, and and that makes sense. I mean, we we are a capitalist country. There there needs to be a better way. Maybe that there's a minimum speed or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I I there. Yeah, it seems too many like things to think through. It seems like it wouldn't be too hard to have a. We'll use the idea of uh, universal basic income as an example. Just have a baseline internet that everybody qualifies for, and then if you want to be able to, yeah. you know, stream your 4K video without, you know, at a faster speed, you can pay for that. Like, but, okay, yeah, that that should absolutely be something that there should be certain websites that you can get onto no matter what. Yeah. And that should be the city government website, mm-hmm. any sort of, you have to register for mm-hmm. a service. Yeah. You should just be able to do that. Like on an airplane, you can get onto the American Airlines. Mm-hmm. Wh- check your and flight you check status, your flight. Yeah. And that's whatever. It. We need to have that version of the internet mm-hmm. available yeah. to everybody. And yeah. here's the great We've thing. solved yeah. it. Listen, solved it, all right. Cox and AT&T and Comcast, if you're listening, like we're still gonna have to rent that bandwidth from you, so you're still gonna get money. It's gonna be yeah. okay. And also, just worth to take a moment to slam AT&T, who originally was supposed to be a partner in this project <laughs> and was not. Yikes, Jesse. Really, uh, <sighs> really. Whew. Uh, I'm going to have to go. Yeah, no, yeah. just kidding. Listen, AT&T, I want that gigablast here now, and I want it now. AT&T really wants to protect their customers' information, and Cox does too. I, it was just a... Uh, there, there are so many. That's That's part of the problem is that we were working with the local version or the local offices of a national company. And so to get them to say yes to the things that we were talking about in that room, mm-hmm. th- it has to be run up so many flagpoles. Yeah. So it's, it, it's just so many mm-hmm. people, so many cooks in that kitchen. Yeah. Well, and yeah. And like a, a, a national corporation and a city government during a pandemic, not the most, fast acting naturally no. right and so it was for us i remember we were just like oh my god we're still deciding this like because mm-hmm. we were used to just like all right we're gonna decide this now we're gonna run with it mm-hmm. and it was really like a like a you know slamming on the brakes tire squealing sort of situation we're like oh we have no control over the situation like we want to help but mm-hmm. we can't help until it starts did you I ever think literally, about i was i was literally canceling plans because i'm like this thing is ha- like <laughs> 
this contract is going to be finalized today. So next week is going to be crazy. <laughs> so I have to cancel all my plans and then mm. it wouldn't happen oh, no. for a month. I was nervous about going on this camping trip in July. Oh gosh. Because I was worried this thing was going to start and I was going to be helping. And it obviously did not start in July or uh, August. Or September. Or September. <laughs> And, yeah. then, and th then I got COVID and then I don't remember a lot of things. So, so at some point, did you think about just uh, having everybody from Tulsa Response putting their phone in, in tether mode yeah. and just drive around town <laughs> yes. and let people connect for a few minutes? Listen, That's we'll a about. great idea. Where were you? Where were you this I know. summer? Well, and that, that was one of the things is that we knew people had cell phones. Yeah. Right. Especially like in the in the Latinx community where we knew we we're going to have a language barrier problem mm -hmm. as well as like a trust problem. We knew they had cell phones. So we knew they had access to some kind of Internet, meaning they could fill out like an online form if we had it. Right. But it had to be in Spanish and it had to be correct, which has been a, another problem other nonprofits have had when they try to translate things into Spanish. I won't name them. You mean using like the Google Translate and hoping the direct translation yep. is yep. the correct? Yep. Yeah. I have a wonderful translator to refer them to, so you just pass pass their name along. <laughs> I think I think I was asking originally about what was coming next, which was <laughs> that's right. That was, you, that was you talking about the in person events with taxes and signing back off the rails. Night. Yes, get back on the rails. School's going to be out in about a month ish or so, and then the fact that a lot of TPS students still don't have access to the internet. It's still going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. And so they still have at least one day a week right now is mm -hmm. virtual. Yeah. And I don't even know whatever happened with the end date issue where Cox didn't want to cut them off, but the city did because we didn't want them to get charged. Right. Are we going to, are you gonna be sending out notifications to all the people who have signed up since then? Or is that a future Marcella problem? That's a, that's a few, well, so that's an October Marcella problem. Okay. We'll let them know. We'll right. let them know. And I think they will get advanced notice from mm -hmm. Cox as well. Hey, good thing it started late. So then you don't have to worry about this until later. Yes. yes. Kind of worked yes. out. So you are, Telsa responds is in the process of becoming a 501c3, correct? That was, that was big news yes. around the same time as the cable uh, internet project. Yeah, we were working on both of those things, transitioning. Oh my gosh, the, the month of August and September were basically like one of the worst of my life just so much going on this internet project mm -hmm. we moved our business like we were being taken from Atento and then moving under the Tulsa Community Foundation umbrella Ugh, it was very stressful so it did feel like you've moved three times during this pandemic I know it's like once I have no we you moved we moved from 30 we were above 36 degrees north then we moved well we didn't have furniture to move but we moved from Chicago to Tulsa then to a house we were renting. Then we lived in a temporary house for a month because our contractors are the worst. Uh, happy to pass along their names as people to not use. I will name names. And then we moved into our house in September and then lived with it under construction until February. Anyway, that was the other two years of stress that <sighs> is in my body. You, you also have a young daughter. Oh, who is the best. She's, listen, she's, <laughs> she's joined many meetings. Yes. She's, she's delightful. Mm. Yes. She's aged me backwards because she is amazing and my heart's delight. So, yeah. What were we talking about? My daughter? Yeah. Yes, she's uh, great. So where are you in the 501c3 process? I know it takes like yes. a year, right? We, yeah. I Ish. mean, we are... I think we're just going to camp out at TC under TCF yeah. for the, at least I would say till the summer until there is an urgent need for us to become a 501 C three. 
because I just, I don't have the bandwidth mm-hmm. to do it. There's no, there's nothing that we can't do as an under TCF mm-hmm. that we could do as a 501 C three. So I'm just going to try to mm-hmm. uh, not make all of my hairs gray yeah. and just, just chill. The one mm-hmm. thing I can just relax on, I will do it. Yeah. So what technically is Telso responds now? Like, Corporation E wise, classification wise, we are a thing under <laughs> TCF. I think is uh, the technical a, term. A lot of nonprofits, especially smaller yeah. ones in Tulsa, start as basically a program under TCF <laughs> yeah. until they sort of graduate to like, their like, own. Like, think, like the Tulsa Voter Van for yeah. one, and Tulsa Hub, Tulsa Hub. Yeah. yeah, I think technically we are we are a fund under the Tulsa Community Foundation. Mm-hmm. Is what we are. Yeah. So do you actually work out of their offices on where 71st and Yale or wherever it is? No. So they, um, we could, if we wanted to, I, I don't think, well, so when, when we had the second wave in September, I think they had everyone work remotely and that's when we became officially went under the TCF mm-hmm. umbrella. So my office is in my house yeah. and, and that's it. And that- I will happily be there for as long as I can be. I have ADHD. And so <laughs> being around other people as much, I, I love it but I get nothing done. It is, I'm a social butterfly. And so if I have, oh, I'm seeing a knowing look. How dare you? At Jesse. Uh, here's the thing, there's a balance. There's a balance. Yes. If I'm left alone, I become depressed and also not Exactly. Productive. So there has yes. to be a, but yes, like the more people and sounds are happening, it's mm-hmm. harder for me to come. No, yeah. I, people will be having a conversation outside of my door in another office and I'll be like, what was that? Like my Ooh, brain talking. cannot, yeah. cannot <laughs> turn it off. And so, for me, as as bad as it sounds, the the pandemic workplace environment has been the most productive I've ever mm-hmm. had because I don't have the only distractions I have are the ones that I create for myself. So I would love to I do love being around people. So being able to choose when I'm around them is perfect. So when we are able to be more in person, I think I'll try to do a couple days in a like a, a shared office mm-hmm. environment. Yeah, I was starting to really drag after being working 100% from home for a while. And then we went to a couple of days in the office, a couple of days at home. And that's that's about perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, this is what I love about. I mean, let's pull a silver lining out of a cloud of. I, can we can we curse? Mm-hmm. Not gonna. Mm-hmm. I'm going cl- to cl- share this with my parents. <laughs> a cloud of. Here, I'll add the bleep later. A pile of shit. (gasps) Jesse. There we go. Uh, Sad trombone. So my my silver lining is that businesses and companies are realizing that we can work remotely. My last job was like, nope, we are not a work from home situation. Like that is just not our culture. And that's like, oh, well, what if you have to be? And so I... For me, this has been a very good move for me to, to learn how I can be most productive. I mean, I will say, like, since I was sort of working from home already when the pandemic started, it, it removed the one outside stimulation I had, which was like coffee meetings and lunch meetings outside. And so it was just me staring at my screen, editing something, which I can do for pockets of 45 minutes. And th- the moment I realize that I've been concentrating so hard, I have now lost that concentration and then have to go do something else for, you know, <laughs> however long. It's like, if I'm not thinking about it, I can concentrate. Well, I'm concentrating really hard and I'm done. Well, again, like for people with uh, ADD and ADHD, like the reason we're good at video games is because if you're getting small dopamine hits every every couple of seconds, like you can keep going. And my brain has now translated 
edits, like making a cut as a as a dopamine hit. Ah. So every time I make an edit, like even if I'm annoyed because someone's umming or hitting the table, it's still like hint, hint, hint. Yeah, yeah Chris. <laughs> so I've been able to sort of retrain my brain in that way because I, I have to I have to do it. But it, yeah, the amount of pro- productivity, like there was a pro- there was a productivity wave and then a drop during the pandemic where people were being super productive and then less so as they were just sort of sad because mm-hmm. they were. But if people were given the choice about whether where to work, I think I think the future of work is going to be really interesting. I mean, the uh, work life balance has been completely destroyed. But yeah, you know, awful. We were we, we were going to lose that battle anyway, so might as well just get a benefit of working from home out of it. So I think we'll see that there's. A- waves of work-life balance too. I'm lucky that I I have a lot of freedom to set my own schedule. And so I can work a little bit on weekends and I can do a little bit of house stuff on the weekdays. And that, that to me is fair. And I do, I have these times when it's like productive, productive, productive. And then like the following week Mm -hmm. where I'm just like, I can't get anything done. Yeah. Well, and I think you're seeing a little bit of a culture shift from the idea of Working is being in one spot from eight mm-hmm. to five. Yes. Regardless of what gets accomplished, you yes. have to be there versus, you know, you have goals that you accomplish and however you do that over whatever time period mm-hmm. is fine as long as you hit your goals and, and how many your things line. am I crossing off of my list right. versus how many hours did I spend mm-hmm. sitting in this chair? Yeah. Some of that's a generational. So as. Yeah. As certain I still older... feel a little guilty if I'm oh, not yeah, there from 9 too. to 5, even though I will also be there from you know, 9 p.m. to 1 in the morning. I'm like, but I wasn't there for like that yeah. full 9 to 5 block. Mm-hmm. But no, we have to, everything has yeah. to shift. Yeah, Boomer is so efficient with their time. Um, <laughs> so like, normally in these remote interviews we've been doing, we, we've, one of our questions was, you know, have you stayed sane during this pandemic? You, I know for a fact, were building this organization from the ground up. So you didn't have a lot of free time and you were also moving and other things. But now that we are back in the room together. Hiring terrible contractors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. this one named Jesse's the worst. Mm. <laughs> no, I think it means for my house. For oh. house. <laughs> Listen, so you're good at one hiring one kind of contractor, but bad at hiring a different kind of contractor. No, I will uh, shout out to our director of operations, Levi State, who is wonderful at hiring contractors, aka navigators for mm-hmm. Tulsa Response. That was pre you, but you were you and and Levi were in like the same navigator cohort. You were just one of the wonderful people who said yes early on. Uh, I mean, but. I, Go ahead. I was just I didn't get to say this earlier. Like there was, I had some great conversations with local business owners. Like I, I talked to Camille of Camille's Sidewalk Cafe. Like I spoke with her. Yeah. And a lot of times they just wanted to know someone was helping them, even if they didn't end up getting any money. Mm-hmm. They just, they just wanted that connection, and it was right. really immensely rewarding. And I, my only, you know, sad part was not knowing whether they actually got the money or not. There was no, there was no way to easily follow up because they were still under stress and. You know, the, again, like my memory is just like, there was a Friday, there was a Friday at 5 PM thing where the Trump's treasury secretary, like rewrote some of the rules. And we had just had a training at like 3 PM on that Friday and had to get retrained the next day. And I was like, every first call was, I don't know, but I'm going to, I'm going to look into it and get back to you. That, that Mm -hmm. was what we said all the time. And it just, it was, it was, it was immensely rewarding because we all didn't know what was happening. And by the way, I think that is a skill that more people need businesses, nonprofits, government. 
people try too hard to make something up on the spot. I think saying, I don't know, but I will find out for you is sometimes the best response you can give somebody. Yeah. I, and our navigators, like we have some of the best, absolute best people living in Tulsa that work for Tulsa Responds. And that is what they do is they, they're kind of like that, the, the grandkid who helps grandma or grandpa like turn on their computer. They're like, okay, I don't know how to do this thing that my grandparent needs to do, but I'm going to figure it out. And they will call them mm -hmm. back and they will do that. We've had navigators. I think Jesse, I think that you stayed on the phone with someone, uh, someone's, I, I think this was you where there was a woman who her kids could not come and help her because of the pandemic and they were not, they didn't have the time to walk her through it. Jesse, was this you? And you walked her through every step. It's possible. I mean, that, that's, like that sounds like something I would do. Hours. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Possibly. Yeah. yeah. To just so that she could apply for this loan for her business. Yeah. There were, there were so many calls where I had to put on my technology hat too, to mm -hmm. explain certain things where again, like if you're running a restaurant, you don't necessarily know how, like online forms and copying and pasting and other things work. And so you have to forget all of your assumptions about what someone may or may not know. Yeah. And because again, it's not like these were easy forms to fill out or easy to find even. I mean, the SBA tried very hard to make their website much more user-friendly than it was before, but it was still like the rules were, were, were changing so mm -hmm. quickly. And there was like, even I, who got an EIDL loan and then paid it, paid it back recently just because I didn't want to get charged interest on it. Like paying it back was incredibly, the instructions on how to pay it back, incredibly hard to find. And a lot of these people- they didn't think anyone was actually going to do it. I know. <laughs> and one, like pulled back on my call center experience and also just my desire to help other people, especially when there's a technology problem. It was mm -hmm. great. So I didn't, my, my free time was pulling my hair out over our contractors and I'm supposed to look around in this room and find something. Okay. So the question is, um, so this is my lifelong collection of nerd items. And we used, uh, we ask our guests to like find something that like calls to them either because they also love it or they are so confused by it. They want to know what it is. The pick is obvious. What is it? And that's why I'm making it so quickly. Yeah. I didn't even have to think about it. <laughs> the Golden Girl bobblehead. Ah, uh, yes. Am I am I basic that that's what I said? No, because no, it's it's it's, it's a, actually a recurring pick. A, yeah, because oh, they're so awesome. I am. So well, yes, I, I, I am. think it's been picked once. One of the. Oh, I that's right. Really great. Yes, and uh, uh, we actually even talked with them about doing a Golden Girls podcast. I that's think right. at, the, at some point we did. And what? yes, I I love those. Uh, I was. It was the thing my mom and I did together. We watched the Golden Girls. Aww. And yeah. Mm -hmm. And again, like you want to learn how to time a joke. Watch the Golden Girls. That, that is They're it. so witty. Mm -hmm. And I think I think perhaps like the first like sexually liberated woman was Blanche. Like yeah. oh, I yeah. truly think that she was the first one to be like, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I'm getting down. Yeah. Often. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I mean, it's, you know, if for it was it's still like a sitcom of its time, but in some ways it was unique as it was just for older women, not normal, normally who a sitcom is written around, mm -hmm. who all like had their own sort of unique issues and problems they were dealing with. And it's truly a miracle that it existed. Yeah. And that, it, like, how did, who I mean, it would be difficult that? to who make today. That? Yeah. I don't think it would like, yeah, no, no one would. Well, Grace and Frankie. That's is yeah. the closest thing, but that's, yeah. you like, know, on Netflix might've made it, but it, it would have right. had, had to have been casted differently. Cause none of them were 
big celebrities at the time. They, mm-hmm. they need, you know, who I want to know the history of Golden Girls, how that was sold yeah. in a room mm. that that someone pitched for elderly women, one of which was a the mother of one of yes. the elderly women, mm-hmm. and that someone said, "Yes, I will give you money." Yep, it had one direct spinoff, and then a quasi spinoff. Like their mm-hmm. neighbors, their neighbors became a spinoff. They, mm. they after the show ended, they bought a hotel. And it was them running the hotel without Dorothy. Uh, it didn't last very long. Um, Welcome to Golden Gap. Yeah, yeah listen. <laughs> people would listen to that. It's a whole generation of people. Who Some, someone Girls. is already doing a podcast oh, about I'm the sure. Golden Girls, right? Ha- listen, if, if, if they haven't, I'm buying that URL right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. so. <laughs> Golden Gab? Yeah. Oh, mm. <laughs> I mean, he heard Chris said it first. That's yeah. true. Listen, he, he'd be on it even yeah, though he came yeah. to Golden Girls late. Yeah. So. Don't don't mind me. I am just, uh, I'm definitely not buying a URL right now. <laughs> on yeah. my own. Unfortunately, uh, I think uh, Cox owns it. So it'll take about a year to negotiate getting that. that. Too soon. Too soon? Yeah. I'm sorry. Too soon. Yeah. Uh, be very I could have hard. said AT&T has it and they're just not going to let you have it. It's true. Like, <sighs> oh. uh, AT&T. I'm I'm angry at them for two reasons. Google's going to do it and just make it really, really difficult for you to sign up yes. for it. Yeah, or, or or they're going to start doing it, do it in two cities, and then abandon it <laughs> as they do with their internet. So <laughs> it's like make up your mind, Google. Seriously, Jesse's never going to get a get a big corporate sponsorship. Nope. <laughs> Nor do I want one because then I then I have to think about what I'm saying before I say it. Couldn't say things like Georgie's. That's right. Uh, you should definitely leave that in with zero context. I, I'm, I'm going to. <laughs> Listen, that, that's for our Patreon listeners. So if you want to hear about Georgie's, you're going to have to give me some money. Bonus so, content. Yes. I've got that Patreon set up. Um, well, Marcel, thank you for, one, being our, our first guest in person without a mask and for, you know, reliving the pain and stress that has been this both crazy but I think wonderful year for you as you've been building uh, Tell us a response from literally a meeting. Response? Responds. Ah. With, with, a, with a Z. Yeah. Z. With a it's, Z. it's a silent and invisible Z. Z. Okay. I, I probably am going to have to clarify. There is no Z. I was just kidding. It's response. If, if people want to uh, you know, read on the internet about Tulsa Response, where can they go? <laughs> www.tulsa.org. Uh, pretty much all you're going to see there is um, a form to get free internet. So please don't fill that out because we will call you. We will spend our time and money on you. But please, um, I don't I don't know, Jesse. I don't know where they could actually find more out about it because our website is just basically how do we make this as easy as possible for someone to sign up for the internet and not get lost in some other page. So they'll have to listen to this podcast. You should just listen. Yeah. You've pretty much heard everything you should. (laughs) One thing I didn't say that I really do want to toot Tulsa Responds horn is that one of our uh, partnerships with TEDC, uh, we went on to do another program with them for some uh, forgivable loans within Tulsa County. And we helped TEDC uh, give 57 million Boom. with an M dollars in loans to local businesses. And the vast majority of that is forgivable. And awesome. a lot of people, a lot of these businesses didn't know that they're forgivable. And so our tenacious navigators were calling them incessantly until they answered so that they would fill out the application for the forgiveness so that they could just get money for their business. And 
hopefully dozens or hundreds of your favorite Tulsa businesses are still going to be in business when we come out of this pandemic because of some of the work of our really dedicated navigators and of course TUDC. That's awesome. So if people want to help either give money or something or become a navigator, become like, a navigator, mm-hmm. how can they do that? Uh, so if you want to help, uh, just generally wear a mask and get vaccinated mm-hmm. just to help our society. That out. means you broken arrow. Yeah. yeah. Get your together Two, uh, if they wanted to be a navigator, you can shoot me an email, Marcella, M-A-R-C-E-L-A, at Tulsa Responds, R-E-S-P-O-N-D-S dot org. So that's if they want to be a navigator. What, what were your other questions? If they, they want to, you know, give money or something. Oh, if you want to. So, I mean, if you, you have. You want to throw out your cash app or Venmo, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> I, will, I will say pay your taxes. Uh, because a lot of what we're doing is is basically repaid in taxes. Um, vote, register to vote, and just be a good human. I, that and then tell people if you know of someone who, if they make around fifty seven thousand dollars, their household makes around fifty seven thousand dollars or less, send them to Tulsa Response. Just spread the name of of Tulsa Response. Unless they're in business for themselves. And if they are in business for themselves and they need some navigators, then they can also shoot me an email. Mm-hmm. We'll, we're happy to be mercenaries for good. Yes, mercenaries for good. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's good. Well, I like it. Again, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you, guys. Thank you all for listening to our conversation with Marcella. Tells her response. There's a lot of fantastic work. A very small amount of it done by me. So if you need help with your taxes or getting low-cost internet, reach out to them, www.telsareponds with an S. Speaking of the internet, please follow Pod for Good on Facebook and on Instagram and on the Twitters. And of course, please subscribe or follow or whatever Apple's calling it now. There was a lot of podcast news from Apple today. And leave a review if you can. And as always, Tulsa, get it done. Broken Arrow, get your shit together. And still, if you're out in public in an enclosed space... Wear a mask.